What a blessing it is to be here, though, this morning. Thank you so much for the privilege to be able to speak to you and to speak to your students on a weekly basis. It's a privilege of my wife and I's life to serve here, to work here, to serve along such a wonderful and distinguished staff. We love Christ's legacy. We call it our home. But, you know, we also call Oklahoma our home. <laughs> and, and as Oklahomans, we know what, what storms are all about. Amen? Because <laughs> the truth is, in Oklahoma, um, well, we, we have a saying. Uh, Will Rogers said it first. He said, if you don't like the weather in Oklahoma, just hang around for 10 minutes because it'll change. And that's a true statement. As a matter of fact, Oklahomans are, are somewhat of kind of weather experts uh, in the country because we just live our life minute by minute, hour by hour, trying to figure out what the weather's going to do to see what we need to be wearing or where we need to be doing or where we need to be at. And, uh, you know, when the weatherman says there, there's tornado, we take precaution and we walk out on our porch and we look for it. That's what we do. That's what we do. And, and when the weatherman says that there's going to be hell, we pull our cars out of the garage. No, never mind. Never mind. And, and as, as weather people, oh, we can call ourselves weather people. As weather people, we know things are going to get real crazy when we turn on the news and we see the guy's got a crazy tie on. That's, that's Oklahoma for you. We know that. And we know that when we, when we are standing out, or when we're watching the news and we start hearing our street names called out, that's the only time that we really need to walk down into our storm shelter. As a matter of fact, the other day I was in Morocco and I was, uh, well, it's, it's Disney World's version of Morocco. But I like the other side of the story better. And we're, in, we're in Morocco and course, uh, me and my son, I, he, he's in the stroller. He's asleep. And I've got a, I've got a rain jacket on because I'm t- telling you, we grew webs between our toes and between our hands while we were down there. It just, I mean, it was a frog strangler. And, and w- we were out there and uh, I had a rain jacket on and my wife is just the smartest thing in the world. She brought a shower curtain for our stroller because apparently that's how we roll now with a shower curtain over the stroller. And we put that thing over the stroller, and she is just smart because my, my son was sleeping, and he didn't get any get wet at all in that stroller while he's taking a nap. And I found myself a little shop to kind of hide in while we were in Morocco, Disney World. And and I'm standing in there, and there is thunder, and there is lightning, and the wind is howling, and the rain's coming down. And I could look out, and people are starting to gather and clump in, trying to get out of the rain. And every time that thunder would would clap. People would shake and, and they'd duck and they'd look around and they'd just look like the world was coming apart on them. And, and I just kind of started smiling to myself like, these people don't know what weather is. They don't know what weather is. And I started looking around. There's this other couple standing in there and their son was laying in their stroller asleep, sleeping through the whole thing. He looked at me and you know what he said? I, I will never forget this as long as I live. He looked at me and said, you must be from Oklahoma. <laughs> I said, as a matter of fact, I am. How about yourselves? He said, yeah, we're from more. I said, oh, okay, yeah. All right. It's going to take a little bit more than a clap of thunder to, uh, to shake us up a little bit, huh? And we got, we, we got talking. We had a good laugh about that. But the truth of the matter is that, that we are used to storms. We know what storms are all about. So it doesn't scare us. It doesn't bother us very much because we know that all we have to do is just wake things out and everything is going to get better. But the truth is, is that storms can be kind of a big deal in our lives. 
Storms are difficult. Matter of fact, it's a it's just the nature of life. And the disciples were no different. See, the disciples, many of them were were fishermen. And they made their living out on the water waters. They had to look and read the weather to try to know what to do and what to bring and where to be at and where the fish were going to bite and where the fish were not going to bite and if they need to stay on shore. They, they, they were the weathermen of their day. As a matter of fact, if, if, if somebody wanted to know the weather, they'd go and ask a fisherman because they had to know the weather. So these were no lightweights. They were experts of their time in stormology, if that's even a word. Their livelihood depended upon it. And so, as they looked across the horizon, they knew exactly what storms looked like and what they could weather and what they couldn't weather. But then, there was this storm that we're going to read about in Mark chapter 4. If you'd turn with me to Mark chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 35. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say oh no. While you're turning, I just want to invite you, uh, if you have a Bible app on your phone, uh, you can flip into your Bible app, hit that menu button at the bottom right, click over to events, and you can find our church there. You can follow along with the notes there if you'd like to, or you can not and be surprised the whole time. It's fine. It's up to you. Sometimes you just hate to spoil anticipation. But I have news for you. The, the, the title of this passage is, spoil alert, Wind and Waves Obey Jesus. Sorry to break it to you, (laughs) but they ended up obeying Jesus. But that's where we're going to start our passage off at verse 35. On the same day, when evening had come, he, meaning Jesus, said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And the other little boats were also with him. And a great, everybody say great, windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow and they awoke him and said to him teacher do you not care that we are perishing then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea peace be still and the wind ceased and there was a great somebody say great calm But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared, somebody say exceedingly, and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you, God, because you're not just a a wishful God, Lord, but Lord, instead, you are the master of the storm. And this morning, as we gather here, Lord, our faith joined one to another. We ask, God, that you would be the master of our storm. Father, drive out the fear. Cause us to love and trust you. In the name of Jesus, we ask this. Amen. And amen. First of all, I want to share with you that storms are a part of life. Some of you already, already know this. Others may not know this, so I'm just going to continue with this point all, any, anyhow, if that's okay. <laughs> I wonder how many of people have have had such a good time in life. You're, 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 everything is going so well that you looked out and you just wondered, what's about to happen? <laughs> Anybody ever have that question? Oh man, something's about to happen because things are going too good. If you're not, if you haven't done that yet, just hang on because it's going to happen. 
Matter of fact, uh, my, my wife was reminding me of a story uh, the other day as I, I was preparing for this message. Uh, we have a young man in our youth group named Top. Now, Top, I'm sorry, I didn't ask your permission to share this, and I probably wouldn't have anyway. So, it's fine. He's in middle school. It's fine. Now, see, Top, Top joined us uh, before service one Wednesday night for our prayer group. We had about 20 people standing in a circle, and during our prayer group, we, we go around the circle sometimes. We ask if anybody has any prayer requests. And as we went around, you know, a young man said, I need you to pray for my grandmother. And a young lady said, I need you to pray for school. And we had several middle schoolers said, I don't know what's going on. Somebody help me pray for me. You know, that's just a middle school prayer. What's going on? And, and you know, we'd go around and we'd find out all the prayer requests. And then we'd come to the Lord and we'd pray for But But Top happened to be the last person in this prayer uh, circle. And when we came to Top, he looked around and he said, you know, I'm not exactly sure what to pray for. Everything seems to be going all right, but uh, maybe I should pray for what's about to happen because it just feels like something's about to happen. And if I might parenthetically insert the fact that Top is probably sitting here thinking, I need to pray not to hang around with you folks because if I hang around you folks, something's bad is about to happen to me because you guys have got it going on right now. I wonder if, how, how many of us have ever felt like that, that, that just things, things were either had been going bad and and not anymore. Things, you felt like things were about to go bad. But either way, you know what it's like to weather a storm in your life. I, I'm willing to bet in here that there are people that if you peel back the layers or the masks or, the, or, or whatever you want to call them, the veils of our life, that we could look at and we could realize that there are storms that are brewing and going on inside that, that we are so afraid of right now. You know, it's hard to even imagine. But we can be so good at putting up such a front where nobody, and I mean nobody, would really understand what's going on. As a matter of fact, you might be sitting here today and you don't even understand how bad that storm is, but it hurts inside and you know it. Maybe you've experienced tragedy with your family. Maybe you're experiencing loss. Maybe you're, you're, you're dealing with job situations or school situations. And I know I need to be praying for all these students in here as they go back to school. And if there's any teachers here, God, help you as you go back to school. And I know that there are many other people in here that are going through things that, that it's even hard to utter the words, much less Entertain the idea that the storm in your life is so scary and dangerous. But storms are just a part of life. As a matter of fact, if we, if we read what Peter says, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 2, Peter tells us this. He says, beloved. I want to stop right there because he used a, a special word, beloved. See, Peter's not using y'all. He, he, he's, not, he's not saying, hey, generally in life, everybody. Instead, Peter says to the church, beloved, people of God, if you know God and you love God, he said, beloved, that means that he's talking to you and me. He's talking to those people that entrust their hearts and lives over to Christ. He says, do not think it's strange concerning the fire trial, which is to try you. Now, I don't mind fire and I don't mind trials so much, but I don't like fiery trials. Those are the kind of trials I don't like. But Peter here is telling us, don't think it's strange. Don't think it's weird. Don't think it's out of order for there to be a fiery trial in your life. 
as though something strange was happening to you. Instead, person, we have to expect that there should be things going on in our lives. Now, there are some religious people, not here, not here, in a different church, not the perfect church we are in right now. But there are religious people that think that if you're going through something in your life, that it's because you've made mistakes, you have sin in your heart, or you have done something wrong, you have somehow gotten yourself into a mess, and you deserve every bit of it. And it's only by the grace of God that you come out of it. That's not exactly true, because if we look into our passage, we find this, that on the same day, verse 35, when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, let us cross over to the other side. You see, as we read this passage, we realize one very important thing, that the disciples were in the middle of a storm and still in the middle of God's will. Just because you're experiencing a storm in your life doesn't mean that you're outside of the will of God. Oh, yes, I understand that there are people that have a proclivity of getting themselves into messes. Believe me, I know I am one of them sometimes. Sometimes I make mistakes and sometimes I do stupid things that cause me to, 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 to be in places I should never have been if I had just done the right thing. I understand that. But there are some times that you find yourself in the middle of a storm that you didn't ask for, that you didn't have coming. But I want you to know, people of God, that storms come in lives, and that's just part of living on the sin-cursed planet that we find ourselves on. And that just because storms don't automatically equal sin in your life. But I want you to know this, that in the midst of that storm, in the midst of, of all that was going on, that Jesus was right there with them. See, when we look at that passage, we also know that even though Jesus was asleep, God knew exactly what was going on. Jesus knew exactly what they were getting into. He never left them. He never forsook them. He knew what was going on. I think some people in in this room need to understand that this morning, that just because you found yourself into the storm, You could be sitting there and you could be calling out. You could be worried. You could be concerned. You could be terrified. You could be panicking right now, not knowing where where the next check is going to come from, not knowing what what this person's going to do or what she's going to say or what's going to happen over here, not knowing uh, knowing if you're going to get the job or not knowing where. You could be panicked so bad that you don't even know what question to ask, just dumbfounded at this storm in your life. But I want you to know that no matter what you're going through, that he's right there with you in the midst of it. And that if you're right there with God, even if you've created the mess, you can be in the middle of his will now. You can be in the middle of his will. You can be right there with him. This means that storms just happen. But storms are dangerous there are dangers. See, these disciples, they weren't just imagining this storm. They, 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 weren't, just, they weren't just overreacting because, see, the, these guys understood weather. See, fear is defined as an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. They were afraid, not just afraid. They were so afraid. 
Somebody in here has been so afraid of a storm in their life. And that fear sometimes can be absolutely positively, confidently founded on fact. Because storms kill people. There's a reason why I love Jesus and still have a storm shelter. (laughs) Because storms can get bad in life. And just because you love Jesus doesn't mean that you're not going to go through a storm. And it doesn't mean that it can't hurt you. And it doesn't mean it's not dangerous. But I got news for you. That in the midst of that storm, that thing that can destroy property and your peace, it can even destroy you. None of us know what the future holds, even for our loved ones. In in the cancer, uh, car accidents and layoffs and relationship issues. These, These are all storms in life, but... But you may even not be experiencing a storm in your own life. But if we look at that passage, it wasn't Jesus, just Jesus' boat and the disciples that were experiencing a storm. It was the other boats that were with them. There are times in our life where everything should seem fine in our life, but because there's other people in our lives that are going through things, it, it hurts us. And it causes us to go into a storm as well. I want you to know as a family of God, we love you and we care for you. And we we weather the storm, not just as individuals, but we weather the storm as a family. And that's why it's so important as a family, we stick together. We love each other. We support each other and encourage one another. I don't know what I'll do in your storm. I'll bring an umbrella. I don't know. But I do know this, that I'll love you. That I'll pray with you. that I'll I'll pray for you and that I'll seek God to know what to say and do. If there is anything that I can do, and I know that I would want somebody else to to feel like that in the midst of my storm, because that's how the family of God should act and does act many times. But if you're going through this storm, I want you to understand that it can be dangerous. Our text tells us that it's not just a regular windstorm, but it is a great windstorm. See, the Bible, sometimes when the Bible wants to emphasize something, it, it just throws a, a, a little adjective out there, and so you think it's great. But see, that, that word great that in the Greek is actually megas. It's where we get the word mega from, like mega storm, okay? So this wasn't just a little storm. It wasn't just a big storm. It was a mega storm. It was a storm worth remembering. It was a storm that was huge and out of control, roaring. See, the disciples, they had reason to be concerned for their safety. It wasn't as if, if they just continued to row, if they just, if they just did this, or if they just didn't bother Jesus, then everything would have been fine. You see, I thought, and I prayed a long time, and I read God's word, and I, I analyzed this passage, and I thought, God, why, what, what was the problem with the disciples? What, where did they go wrong? How should they have responded to this situation? And I want to share with you this morning, whenever we have a great storm in our life, God nowhere in his word says you need to deal with it on your own. He doesn't. As a matter of fact, Jesus tells us to cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. He he tells us that he is the prince of peace. He he tells us that he he wants us not to be afraid. And and as a matter of fact, it says perfect love drives out all fear. And so where did the disciples go wrong? Was it that the fact that they went to get Jesus? Absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. Where did the disciples go wrong? They were in the middle of a storm that was going to threaten their life. They were scared because the storm not only was threatening their life, but threatened the life of everybody out on the water at that time. And in the midst of their crying out, the problem occurred when they had one question, when they asked one question to Jesus. Don't you care, Jesus, that we're all about to perish? Don't you care? Don't you care that we're all about to die? See, storms aren't just dangerous. Storms also show who God is. They show who God is. See, in in the midst of that, uh, Jesus was asleep in the stern. The Bible tells us that he had been ministering all over, and so in the natural of his body, he went went to sleep because he was absolutely exhausted. The only person I've ever seen do that Uh, that was absolutely exhausted from ministry is somebody that's given 110% for so long that they just can't even see straight anymore. Pastor does it all the time. (laughs) Melissa Felkes does it many times. I do it. And sometimes it takes me more or less the same amount of time to to hit rock bottom. But I, I want you to know that when you minister so much, you can hit rock bottom pretty quick. Jesus, he fell asleep. He was tired. And so as this stuff was going on, he wasn't waking up. But the disciples, when they went to him, they made the mistake of asking him, don't you care? I kind of wonder sometimes if we make that same mistake. We're going through a storm in our life and we pray to God, we cry out to him, God save us, God save us. And just like Brother Mixer was speaking this morning, I don't like lard. I don't like flour. I don't like all the things that it takes to make it, but I do like the end product. We don't know what God is doing in our life. We may not understand the storm. We may not see the big picture, but I want you to know that God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what is happening to you, and He knows that you can be in in the center of His will with one word, but but can I remind you this, that there has never been a moment where Jesus has left you. There's never been a moment where he's forsaken you. There's never been a moment where he's forgotten about you. There's never been a moment where he doesn't care that you're about to perish because he, because he loves you. And the Bible says that he loves you with an unfailing love. And it says that he, he never has turned away a person that has come to him with a broken and contrite heart. So the question, God, don't you love me? Don't you, don't you see me? Don't you, don't, aren't you worried that I'm, a, I'm about to die? That was the moment that their level of faith was revealed. It's not that they came and got him. It's not that they were concerned about the storm. It's not that they recognized the danger. It was the fact that they didn't think that God loved them in the midst of that storm. See, they show who God is. Notice that Jesus, when they awake Jesus, He doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't tell them to leave them alone, Him alone so He can get His rest. He doesn't, he doesn't say, guys, if you just keep rowing, it, it'd go right over us. No, the very first thing that Jesus does is He steps out. And He doesn't 
take his magic wand out. He doesn't say an incantation. He doesn't brace for maximum impact of power. But he did what he did when he created the world. He spoke. He didn't yell. The Bible says he spoke. We got other words that mean yell. He spoke. He said, peace, be still. And if you're reading that passage, what you'll catch, if you're not paying attention, you'll, you'll miss it. But what you'll catch is that there's actually two commands there. The first command is peace. You see, when we find Jesus saying peace, what he's actually saying is, is this. He's commanding the winds to die down. The thing that was causing the storm, the thing that was creating the havoc, the thing that was pushing the waves up, he says peace. And immediately the winds stopped. They stopped blowing. And then he issued another command. He said, be still. And in that moment, he used some language that helps us understand. Be still. And the next thing we find is that there was a great calm. Not just a calm, but a great calm. The same kind of great that was spoken about the storm was the same kind of great that was just spoken about the calm. See, D- Jesus didn't just do a little bit of calm. He didn't just calm it down enough so that they could weather through it. He calmed it all the way down where it was glass, where there was a point where the disciples understood that there was a miracle that just occurred. I want to tell you something that Jesus doesn't just calm the wind down in our lives or whatever is causing the storm, that he has the ability to say, be still to our lives and for the storm to stop raging within inside of us. As a pastor, I want to let you know that many times there are storms in our lives, there are situations and circumstances outside of our own ability to control that Jesus can speak to and he can make a put a stop to it. But I want you to know one of the biggest and hardest storms to calm down is the storm that's going on inside of our lives in the midst of it all. And he can speak to that too this morning if you just let him. You do not have to walk around with guilt, with shame, with bitterness. Well, you don't have to walk around with fear or worry or remorse. You don't have to walk around with those things in our lives because he's come. He's come to set you free from those things. And it just takes one word for him. It just takes a word of healing. It just takes a word of encouragement. It just takes a word of be still. He spoke that word many times before. Be still and know that I am God. Young person. I say that because you're everybody. Everybody should be a young person in here. I'm a youth pastor's habit. <laughs> but I want you to know, loved one, he can say be still in the midst of the storm in your life. And the, the wind may not change. But the waves inside can. And all he has to do is say, say a word and it happens. Don't doubt. Don't be afraid. The Bible tells us that perfect love drives out fear. We don't have to be concerned. We recognize the danger. We recognize the threat to our family, to our friends, to our jobs to our security, to our homes, to our kids. We, we can recognize that there are real things out there that we need to be concerned about. I got my eye on it. But the Bible says that we can lift up our eyes to the hills from which our help comes from. 
that if we look at Jesus in his full and wonderful face, that the things of earth will grow strangely dim. It's like Peter walking out on the water. I'm sorry, I'm getting off my notes. I'm just mixing sermons and stuff like that. It's what I do. As Peter's walking out on that water, he takes his eyes off Christ. Puts his eyes on all the problems in another storm in the Bible. I want you to know that if you keep your eyes on him, if you call out to him, don't, don't have any doubt, don't have any fear. He can speak words in your life because he is the master of the storm. He is the master of the waves. He's the master of the wind. It doesn't concern him. It doesn't bother him. He, he, he didn't say, I didn't see that coming. He knows what you're going through. He never left you. He never forsake, forsook you. Somebody in here needs to hear that this morning because God has laid that on my heart so heavy. But I want you to know that storms also show who we are. They, the disciples, the Bible says, weren't just afraid of the storm. See, I've always thought this was an odd thing, but in, in the moment that Jesus calms the storm and Jesus rebukes the disciples for not having any faith, the disciples' reaction was not to celebrate that they were still alive. See, I, I don't know about y'all, but I'd be partying. I'd be celebrating. I'd be lifting Jesus up and going around the deck a few times. We're going to have a Jericho march up in here. Come on. But in that moment, they were afraid of the storm, but the Bible says they were greatly afraid of Jesus. That word greatly again. It wasn't just a little bit afraid. It was mega afraid. Megas. Why? Because they had called him rabbi teacher. They had seen him do many wonderful works in the lives and the hearts of the people that he was around. But for the first time, they, they saw him control nature itself. For the first time, they were captivated by the fact that he was creator God, that he had authority over his creation. You might have been a Christian for a very long time. You might have followed Jesus. You might have seen many miracles in your life. But in the moment that Jesus does something in your life, a miracle, something happens, we're faced with the actuality that God that Jesus is God and that he can and will work in the hearts and lives of his believers and it causes something amazing to happen. We are confronted with the fact that if he can do that, then he deserves our love, our respect, and our lives. And that is a fearful and wonderful thing. When God does something in your heart and your life, it reveals the fact that we are to put our complete hope and trust in him and hope and trust in nothing else because I want you to know that as those disciples had that bucket and they were pouring, they were dumping it over the sides as fast as they could. They were trying to figure out it, uh, the, the problem themselves and they could not do it. They were going to drown. They were going to die if it wasn't for Jesus. They couldn't figure it out on their own. But when you put your hope and your trust in Jesus, he saves the day. And he deserves your life. 
He deserves your respect and your trust. Some people are afraid to give it to him because that means that you have to let go of the bucket. (laughs) That means that you have to come to Jesus not with a question of don't you care about me, but instead you have to say, Jesus, my wife told me this, this the other day, some, some, some folks, instead of coming to Jesus saying, Jesus, I've got a problem, they, now they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, you've got a problem. <laughs> See, we have to change our mindset that Jesus is here because him and me have a problem. Don't try to fix it on your own. Call out to Jesus. But in that moment where he does deliver you from that storm, don't pick up that bucket again. Don't, don't, don't keep on bailing water out. How foolish. Trust him with your life. Don't be concerned. There are many times in our life when God comes and does powerful things. But don't be surprised whenever it calls us to a deeper and greater relationship with him. The storms pointed out that the disciples lacked faith. This morning, sitting in here in this room, I don't know what you're going through. But I do know that we have a hope in Jesus. And it's not just an imaginary hope. I shared this in the first service. I feel again that I need to share this. It's not in my notes. Please forgive me. But there is a great hope that we have in him. It literally is a great hope. That's what we call it in theology. It means that one day the trumpet will sound. The dead in Christ will rise. And we that are still alive will be caught up in the air to meet him. We will see him vis-a-vis, face to face. And we will know who our creator is. We'll see our loved ones again. And it's a promise that has yet to be fulfilled. But I want you to know this morning that it's going to be fulfilled. That you and I can have a hope in it. And that this trouble that we see right now, just for a moment, just for a little while, is nothing in in comparison to what we have in store. If you're not a Christian this morning, and you're going through a storm in your life, I want you to know that you too can have a Savior that will deliver you from the storm. And you too can have a hope in glory. And you too can have peace in the midst of whatever is going in your life. But it has to start first with hope and trust. And one name, because the Bible tells us that at the mention of one name, every knee will bow and every tongue confess.